0: Chapter Seventeen of Carpenter's Geographical Reader, South America. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Carpenter's Geographical Reader, South America by Frank Carpenter. Chapter Seventeen A Visit to a Chilean Farm. Today we start down the great central valley of Chile. This valley lies between the main range of the Andes and the mountains which border the coast. It is in places over a hundred miles wide and as long as the distance from New York to Pittsburgh. It is divided into vast estates, upon which all sorts of fruits and grains are grown, and where cattle and horses are grazed in droves of thousands. There are few countries in the world where farms are so large as in Chile, or their owners so rich. We meet men who each own thousands of acres and see many estates which are worth more than a million dollars. The wealthier farmers live like lords upon their estates or haciendas. Farming is profitable in Chile. The country produces every year millions of bushels of wheat and barley, millions of gallons of wine and the best horses and cattle on the west coast of South America. More than half of the people of Chile are engaged in farming, but only a few families own land. Most of the farms are in this great central valley. They are irrigated by the streams from the mountains, and are in most places cultivated like gardens. The fields are divided by canals, along which trees have been planted. Some of the estates have stone walls about them, and now and then we see a fence of wire or boards. We look in vain for barns and haystacks and farmhouses like our own. The only buildings are the vast one-story structures of the owners and the mud huts of the workmen." Oxen everywhere take the place of horses and mules. Huge carts drawn by oxen with yokes tied to their horns are used instead of farm wagons, and the ploughs are dragged through the furrows by the same clumsy beasts. Some of the more enterprising Chileans, however, have been introducing modern machinery lately, and some of the rich farmers now have American ploughs, threshers, and reapers. We visit one of the farms, where we are the guests of the proprietor. HE HAS GIVEN US ROOMS IN HIS COUNTRY HOME WHICH HE OCCUPIES ONLY IN THE SUMMER TIME WHEN HE LIVES ON HIS COUNTRY ESTATE. WHAT A LOT OF ROOMS THERE ARE! THERE MUST BE A HUNDRED ALL TOLD AND ALL ON THE GROUND FLOOR. THE BUILDINGS ARE OF ONE STORY WITH ROOFS OF RED TILES, MUD WALLS AND BRICK FLOORS. THEY SURROUND LITTLE GREEN COURTS AND GARDENS, GROVES OF TREES, SOME OF WHICH ARE ONE HUNDRED FEET HIGH, ARE GROWING ABOUT THEM. There are many other guests at the time of our visit. There are about thirty children among them, and when we go out to ride there are horses for all, some of the little ones being tied to the saddles of their ponies to keep them from falling, for the children here learn to ride when quite young. Every child of a rich farmer has its own pony, and we see boys and girls between the ages of four and fourteen galloping over the fields holding their seats like men and women. The farm is so large that we might ride all day on the roads which go through the fields and not visit the whole. The fields are divided by fences of stone and also by canals, along which have been planted Lombardy poplars, which so shade the road that we do not feel the warm sun. We are delighted with the horses. The peons chase them on the gallop over the fields to show us how well they can run. They are fine riding animals. They are trained to a gait much like a pace, but so easy that we remain in our saddles for hours without fatigue. The horses are directed by pressing the reins against the sides of the neck and not by pulling at the bit, and the lines are usually left loose. As a result the horses are seldom hard in the mouth. The saddles are much heavier than ours. Many of them are plated with silver, and ladies and gentlemen frequently use silver stirrups. A Chilean often cares more to have his horse well dressed than to be well dressed himself. His bridle bit is of silver, and his spurs are often of the same metal. The spurs used by the peons have rowels or spiked wheels, as big around as a coffee cup. Some have wheels four inches in diameter, so that they cause great pain if the owner is cruel. Later on we go to the cattle. There are great herds of fine stock and flocks of fat sheep. The crops in the field are growing luxuriantly and the vineyards and orange orchards are loaded with fruits. We ask how such a place is managed, and are told that it has a major-domo, or chief, who has overseers under him, and who organizes his laborers much like an army. Each overseer has so many men to take charge of, and he tells each man what to do. Books are kept showing just how much money is paid out, and what is done every day, so that the proprietor knows how well each field is paying. Indeed, the only poor things on the farm are the inquilinos, or farm-workmen. They are the laboring class of the country. They are somewhat like the Indians we saw in Peru and Bolivia. They come of the mixed race of Spaniards and Indians, inheriting the bravery of the both. Peruvian and Bolivian Indians are afraid of their masters, but the Chileans are not. They carry knives, and the master who should strike one of them would probably be stabbed in return. It is said, however— that the men love their masters, they do not often leave the estates upon which they were born. Let us enter one of their huts. What a contrast to the luxurious city-home of the owner! The walls are of mud-bricks, and the roof is of thatch. The ground forms the floor, and in this case the bed of the family. Two boxes and a table are the only furniture. The hut has but one room about fifteen feet square, and we are told that a family of eight lives in it. We wonder how people can exist in such quarters, and when we learn what they eat we wonder more. Their first meal usually consists of a double handful of toasted wheat flour mixed with water into a mush or baked as a cake. At noon they have a bowl of hot beans, and for supper, or dinner as they call it, a second bowl of beans, to which is added some toasted meal. They seldom eat meat, preferring to spend their money for drink. As a result of this mode of living many of the poor children die— only the strongest survive, but those who grow up are so strong that four men can easily lift a piano on their heads and trot away with it. The men are very polite. When not drunk they are kind to their families. They are always ready to help one another in trouble. It is difficult to teach them habits of thrift, but it is hoped that through the common schools which have recently been introduced into all parts of Chile, they will become educated, and in time, a much better race. End of chapter 17